how to preach. This morning the sermon title is called Orange Jumpsuit. Orange Jumpsuit, I will explain that in just a moment. Over the last uh, few months, first, since the first year, Vicki and I preached most sermons have come out of the New Testament, and so part of it, as I was preparing and thinking ahead, as we were getting through Romans, the book of Romans, there's a part of Lent and Easter which I loved doing and enjoyed preaching from Romans, but I, I thought I'm going to preach from the Old Testament. So I began to mull over that and pray over that and ended up in Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament. Read all of Malachi, and I decided to preach from the last two chapters, part of chapter 3 and then all of chapter 4. Rather lengthy bit of Scripture, but I want you to hear all of it. I'm going to take my time and break it apart as we go down. But um, let's hear from Malachi, again, the last prophet in the Old Testament. There's 400 years of silence before the New Testament begins, and so it's interesting to hear what God had to say in the last words of the Old Testament. Malachi, the third chapter, beginning in verse 13, God is speaking, and He says, Your words, speaking to the people of Israel, Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, in, in what ways have we spoken against you? God's answering the question as He keeps speaking. You have said to me it's useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept His ordinances? And we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts. So now we call the proud blessed. For those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt you, God, and they go free. Let's pause there just a moment. This is my interpretation of their attitude, a spirit of rebellion. A spirit of rebellion can be a very dangerous thing. Whether it's in one of our teenagers, our growing up, a spirit of rebellion, it's, it's tough. And so if you're dealing with that, with someone in your family, it doesn't just have to be a teenager, but a spirit of rebellion is very dangerous. And so God speaks of this group who's decided what difference does it make if we worship God. That's their attitude. He changes gears and he makes a comparison in verse 16. So let's read in 16. Then those who feared the Lord, they spoke to one another. So there's fellowship going among those who feared the Lord. They spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before God, before Him, for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on His name. I emphasize that. I want you to remember that. He's making a distinction between the wicked and the righteous. He mentions those who fear God and who have made a choice and a decision that they're going to meditate upon God's name. And so he says, because of that, I'm going to write down everything. God has a book of remembrance. Then he says in 17 of those who feared the Lord, They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On the day that I make them my jewels, I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked. And he makes a distinction. I will discern between the righteous and the wicked. And then he emphasizes between one who serves God and one who does not serve Him. That's a clear-cut distinction. Some of you have been reading the book in the first of the year. I am a church member. It talks about being a servant. And here God says, I'm making a distinction 
between those who serve me and those who don't. Then he goes on to Malachi, the fourth chapter, the last chapter in the Old Testament. I'll read all six verses. For behold, the day is coming. This is God again speaking. He's coming, burning like an oven. And all the proud, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, again the distinction between two different groups of people, but to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will arise with healing wings, and you shall go out and you shall grow fat like a stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. And again, he, he teaches us something else. He makes a transition in verse 4 and he says, Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horam for all of Israel with the statutes and judgment. In other words, don't forget that. And still in the New Testament, we still are given that teaching. The Ten Commandments are just as relevant today as they've ever been. Don't forget the law of Moses. In verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and I strike the earth with a curse. That's the last line in the Old Testament. God saying, unless I curse the earth. Let me emphasize the law of Moses and Elijah just for a moment. Remember that when Jesus came along in the New Testament, He said, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Not to do away with them, but to fulfill it. And so we know that the law of Moses is still relevant to us. When he mentions Elijah, that is a prophecy that was given. John the Baptist was the last of the prophets. He came in the anointing of Elijah. When you read in the Bible, Elijah represents the prophets. Moses represents the law. And so in the coming of John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus, that prophecy was fulfilled. Jesus said, Elijah has come. And so now we're into the New Testament. We're on this side of it, thank God. But God ends with saying, in the last statement, lest I come and I strike the earth with a curse. But He did. Thank God. In fact, the song just sang about it. He came, and so what happened was Jesus came. Instead of striking the earth with a curse, Jesus became a curse for us. I love you, He said. I care about you. So we're under the dispensation of grace now in the New Testament. Now, will that day still come? Yes, it will come. When the wicked shall be as stubble. It's, it's still going to come, but right now we can accept Christ. We can be born again. We can be saved. Grace is available to us. Orange jumpsuits. The reason I mention that, most of you are aware of the evil militant group of the Islamic State called ISIS. I doubt anybody here hasn't seen something on the internet or the news about ISIS. They have killed and they continue to kill Christians and or anybody who stands in their way. In the Middle East, particularly in Syria and Iraq, killing people, even their own Islamic brothers and sisters. At no expense. They don't care. A few a couple of months ago now, Jim Martin stood up in this service. He asked permission to ask Pacific concern and prayer for the Coptic Christians who were in Egypt. You remember they put on orange jumpsuits 
And ISIS has done this several times when they've killed Christians. They have put an orange jumpsuit on them, and with the Coptic Christians, they beheaded all of them and made a video of it. Wickedness. Many Christians, and I don't know if you've seen this on the news lately or on the Internet, YouTube. I wore a, an orange wristband this morning. Some churches are asking people to wear either an orange ribbon or something of the color of orange to remind people just to pray for persecuted Christians around the world, and in particular, those who are being tortured and beheaded by ISIS. These wicked will come to burnt stubble one day according to God. In other words, God is still saying the prophecy is still true that there will be a day of reckoning. I encourage you to, whether you wear a piece of orange on your clothing, the staff, when I told them I was going to mention that, one very devout Alabama fan said, I don't own anything orange, Todd Rains. I'm going to get Todd a little ribbon he can wear, though. In Malachi 3, 13 through 15, many in Israel began to complain against God. Their attitude considered the worship God to be vain and worthless. God called their attitude, and I'm going to try to pronounce this in Hebrew, it's chazak. Their attitude was chazak. It means stubborn, obstinate, hardened words against me. Again, I, I claim it as a spirit of rebellion. They said in so many words, the wicked prosper, so why do, why do we even bother to do good? Now let me clarify and say this to you, that it doesn't mean this. We all may have been hit with life in such a way that we question sometimes that life is not fair. In fact, I would encourage you young couples, if you've got young children, raise them to know that life isn't fair. Let me give you an example. Why is it fair that I got to be born and you did? That I, that I was born in the United States of America and many are being born in North Korea. How's, how's that fair? So, so life is not fair. So it, it's not talking about us concerned about those issues. It's not speaking about those times that you feel wounded and broken. And I do too. I have those times. And out of frustration, we may cry out, Oh Lord, how long must this continue? This is, this is not what he's talking about here. In fact, those of us who may complain, how long, how long, God? And we sang the song, coming soon. We're in good company because Jeremiah, and look at some of the Psalms that David wrote, and Habakkuk. So I'm not talking about that, and neither is God about those times in our hurt and woundedness that we cry out. But this speaks of people who have deliberately decided, I no longer care. And I no longer serve God and don't intend to. The very fact that you've chosen to be here this morning, you're one who fears God. To fear means to worship, to be in awe of Him. And He makes a comparison here. God speaks of a faithful remnant who do fear, who have reverence and awe and worship toward God. The prophet declares that God will finally honor. There will be a day of honoring those who are faithful to Him. And I, I wrote this down, and, and I want you to hear this. I'm going to put it in the 3D devotion in the morning. It's a quote from my Wesley Study Bible that I like. And my daughter, after she read this sermon note devotion on Wednesday, she sent this to me as something personal that's going on in her life. She said, Daddy, I needed to hear that. So I want to repeat it a couple of times. We cannot judge the value 
of right action by the immediate results. Let me say that again. We cannot judge the value of right action by immediate results. But everything is recorded in God's book of remembrance. And His eventual rewards are certain. In other words, don't give up on doing good. Don't give up on serving God. You keep serving Him no matter what. You keep being in awe of Him and worshiping Him no matter what. And that's what God is saying to the remnant. Keep fearing me. In fact, Malachi then reminds us of three avenues of approach toward God. I want to give you these three avenues. I'm going to emphasize the latter one. The first one I've already mentioned, and he mentioned it, to fear Him. You know, the Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You're wise if you fear God. You're very unwise if you don't. That's what this is saying. So fear God. And part of fear is to be in awe of Him. And to come and worship Him. And to sing hallelujah to Him. That one day soon we're going to see the King. That's to be in awe of Him and worship Him. The second thing that Malachi says is he mentions that the, the, those, the remnant, the faithful, they were talking with one another. The longer I pastor, the more I appreciate the power of the body of Christ. Being able to get with other people that fear God and that love Jesus Christ and talk about Him and sing about Him. There's more to that than sometimes we realize of just the body of Christ. And so he emphasizes it. Those who fear God, those who fellowship with one another. And the last one I want to emphasize, he, he said more than once here, those who meditate on my name. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to give you some illustrations and I want to give you some names. And you may have heard a sermon on this of the name Jehovah and the names that go with it which represent who God is to us. So here it is. I'll begin with Acts, the fourth chapter. Remember when Simon, Peter, and John, Jesus had already risen from the dead and there was a cripple there in the, in the temple as they were going by and He was begging them for money and begging them for alms and and Peter said, Gold and silver have I none, but what I do have I, I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. So he spoke the name of Jesus. The authorities arrested, took Peter and John aside and told them to quit speaking of the name of Jesus. And Peter makes this comment about the name of Jesus. He said that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, which is a distinction, meaning he's the Messiah. He was the one that was prophesied about whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By Him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which have become the chief cornerstone. Then He says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's a powerful statement. None other name under heaven by which we must be saved except for the name of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. 1 John 5, 13, we're studying 1 John on Wednesday nights. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. We fear Him. We fellowship with one another. And we know His name. The one who went to Calvary and said, I love you. His name is Jesus. Now, I want to give you several names in the Old Testament. There are many more that I'm going to give you. And I'm going to put these in the 3D devotion in the morning so you'll have them. 
And I may not pronounce all of them correctly, but I'll do my best. Jehovah Yahweh. Jehovah Yahweh. That means divine salvation. That's, that's who we get and who He is. Divine salvation. Jehovah Makarashim, which means the Lord is my sanctifier. Jehovah Rahi, which the Lord is my shepherd. Sheila talked about that. That's why the most important line in the 23rd Psalm is that opening line. The Lord is my shepherd. He's Jehovah Rahi, the Lord my shepherd. He is Jehovah Shammah. He, he is He who is present with us. Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord our healer. He is Jehovah Tzikhanu. He is the Lord our righteousness. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. He is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. He is Jehovah Shaboah, the Lord of hosts. These are only but a few. And he says, I will honor those who will meditate on who I am. And so he, he speaks to us in the very essence of His name of who He is. He is my peace. He is present with me. He is my sanctifier. He is my redeemer. He is my savior. He is my salvation. He's my shepherd. When I meditate on that, I realize I'm what He is. So are you. Fear the Lord. Fellowship with one another. Meditate upon His name. These words from Malachi remind us that one day, lest I come and I strike the earth with a curse. Last line in the Old Testament. I wanted to end with the last line in the New Testament. So in Revelation twenty-two seventeen, a few verses before the last line. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. The Bride is the church. We're calling out. The Spirit, Holy Spirit and the Bride say, Come, Lord Jesus. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him or her take the water of life freely. And then the last line in the Bible, in Revelation twenty-two twenty-one. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let's pray together. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you, God, for this last line in the Bible. And I do pray, God, that everyone here this morning can claim, I am under that grace. I know this grace because I know Jesus. <laughs> Father, speak to someone here this morning if they do not know that grace. If they realize, you know, I don't know that I really fear God, but I want to say that I fear the Lord today. And I worship Him and I know that I need Him. Holy Spirit, give us a freedom to respond to Your Word. We do pause again, God, and ask You to be with those Christians who are being persecuted around the world. But remind us here that there is a separation between the wicked and the righteous, between those who serve God and those who do not serve God. Speak to us, God, and help us to continue to fear You to meet with one another in fellowship, and to meditate upon your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.